Hello, hello. Today we're going to talk about safety behaviors, what I've learned about safety behaviors anyway, because I got a question about that. And I'm going to share what my model of social anxiety was when I first started therapy. So let's jump in. Welcome to Your Social Anxiety Bestie, a podcast that shares the truth about what it's like to live with social anxiety and celebrates the messy courage it takes to show up scared in the world. Whether you consider yourself shy, introverted, socially anxious, socially awkward, or your own special mix of some or all of the above, you are welcome here. Through this podcast, my Instagram account, and my Social Anxiety Besties Club on Patreon, my goal is to show you that you aren't alone, that it's not just you, and that it can get easier to just be yourself in the world. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Okay, I hope this doesn't get too nitty gritty or dry because I'm going to be reading to you from my therapy notes a little bit and from another resource that I'm going to link in the show notes. Um, But before we jump in, I just wanted to say that I hope you enjoyed last week's episode, which was all about social anxiety and intimacy. So we talked about how social anxiety can impact dating, weddings, marriage or long term relationships and sex. Um, It was one of my longest episodes, I think, but I just think there was so much in there because Dr. Franks is just so knowledgeable and helpful and compassionate. So if you haven't had a chance to listen, I super recommend it. And then the episode before that was an interview with one of my patrons, Anthony, and he shared a lot of really creative approaches that he's taken um, to face his social anxiety and feel more comfortable. Uh, Things like voice notes and YouTube and improv. So yeah, I'm really happy with the last two episodes and My goal is to try to interview one of my patrons every month. So next month in June, you'll hear from Nicole. And then um, hopefully in July, we'll have another patron. So yeah, I um, I hope you're enjoying it. Okay, so today's episode comes from a question that I got on the question form that I've been testing out. It's like a Google Doc. I've been mentioning it in the outro portion of the show's. Um, I may not keep it. I mean, I may just leave it there, but I've only gotten like two submissions so far. So we'll see. Um, But anyway, the question I got was about safety behaviors and whether or not I've eliminated all of my safety behaviors related to social anxiety. So I thought that was a great question. Um, So just backing up, uh, what is a safety behavior? And of course, you know, the usual disclaimer, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a mental health professional. This is what I've learned by going to therapy, not by being the therapist. So grain of salt and all that good stuff. (laughs) Okay, so a safety behavior is any behavior that gives you short-term relief from your anxiety. And I'll give some examples. Um, But when I was in therapy, one of the earliest things we did was look at a model for understanding social anxiety. And they told us that the core of social anxiety is a fear of doing something embarrassing or foolish, making a bad impression, or being judged negatively by others. We have a strong desire to convey a favorable impression of ourselves to others, but we doubt our ability to do so. Um, When I read that, I was like, oh yeah, I'm in the right therapy program. And then they kind of break it down. It's hard to do on a podcast because it's a visual graphic, but they talk about, you know, a social trigger, like a social situation, going to a party, for example, And how that social situation, the trigger, can lead to automatic thoughts 
So things like, I will look foolish, people will think I'm stupid, I will be rejected. And then that leads to anxiety, which can break down into behaviors um, and like physical symptoms. Uh, for example, blushing and nausea would be the physical symptoms, but then you might get things like avoidance, escaping, trying to leave early, hypervigilance, safety behaviors, and then our, uh, our favorite post-event processing. So that's like after the event, now you're going to negatively ruminate about it. And it's like social anxiety just doesn't leave you alone. If you want to hear more about post-event processing, I did an episode a little while back on the three phases of social anxiety, because really like social anxiety is before, during, and after a social event. It's not just, oh, I'm at a party and I'm scared. Like there's the fear leading up to it. And then there's, there's the rumination after it. So you might find that episode interesting. And then, so behaviors like avoidance and escaping by leaving early, for example, they give you short-term relief from your anxiety. Like they're things that we do to make ourselves feel better in the situation. But the, there's a couple of problems that I've learned. One is that in the long run, it just reinforces our fear and makes us more anxious and more likely to try to avoid again. And avoidance is what keeps anxiety going. And the other part of it that I've learned from Ellen Hendrickson's book, How to Be Yourself, is that, um, you know, if you've got these safety behaviors in place to make you feel better in a social situation and the situation goes, let's say, well, then your safety behavior gets all the credit. Like, oh, it went well, but it was only because I got there super early. I groomed excessively so that I looked perfect and I left early before I could make a fool of myself. So, you know, you're not really giving yourself the credit for showing up and being a competent human. Uh, you're, you know, it's all the safety behaviors that get the credit. So that is one of the reasons why in therapy, they were trying to help us uh, reduce our safety behaviors, not like eliminate them completely. But so I understand where the question came from, because it's like, okay, if the goal is to not lean on these social or these um, safety behaviors, is the goal to eliminate them completely? And that is a very fair question. Um, so anyway, I wanted to give you some examples of what my model of social anxiety looked like when I wrote it out in therapy. So for my social situation triggers, in I put confrontation, answering the phone, and any social gathering. So that's pretty broad. And then for my automatic thoughts, I wrote down, I'm going to be an inconvenience. I'm going to hurt their feelings. I don't even know about what. I didn't write that part. And I don't know what they're going to say or ask. And then going further down in the graphic is for the anxiety. So avoidance, I said, oh, I'm going to say my kids are sick or I'm going to hide my feelings and thoughts and preferences. Under the escape category, I put I would leave early and blame the kids <laughs> or bring the kids and be like, oh, well, they have to go have a nap. So I'm going to leave now. Uh, under hypervigilance, I put I will be scanning people for feedback or like visual cues about how they might be feeling or judging me. Under safety behaviors, I put getting there early, thanking people profusely, over explaining myself and being super apologetic. And then post event processing, I put messaging to say thank you or sorry for something or thanking profusely or thinking back on like, was I grateful enough? Did I thank them enough? That kind of thing. And then I'm just going to jump over to 
a PDF document that I'm going to link in the show notes. It's from therapists, therapistaid.com. And it's, it's just a PDF on safety behaviors. And it says that one of the most harmful responses to anxiety is avoidance. When a person avoids the source of their anxiety, they feel relief. However, the next time they face a similar situation, their anxiety will be worse. Safety behaviors are subtle actions used to avoid anxiety in social situations. For example, someone who is anxious about socializing at a party might focus on their phone to discourage others from approaching. Although safety behaviors provide some relief, they make anxiety worse in the long run. And then they've got like this list that you can circle items in of examples of social anxiety safety behaviors, which I thought was really interesting because sometimes like I had a bit of a trouble coming up with my safety behaviors at the time. So I'll just read them to you. So safety behaviors for social anxiety, speaking very little, speaking very softly, holding your arms stiffly at your sides to prevent trembling. Yeah, I, I did that. I've done that in certain situations. Standing far from others to avoid conversation, avoiding sharing personal information, constantly checking appearance in the mirror, obsessing over appearance before socializing. Oh God, I do that one. Come up, coming up with reasons to leave the event early, using drugs or alcohol, avoiding eating in front of others, wearing, make, wearing excessive makeup to hide blushing, avoiding asking questions, excessively rehearsing what to say before socializing, using distractions to appear busy, like a phone or the TV, talking excessively to avoid silences, lying or exaggerating to look better, continually, continually seeking reassurance or approval, and caving to peer pressure or the wishes of others. So that's the list. Now, if you're anything like me, hearing a list like that and hearing so much of yourself in it can start to feel really gross and shamey and make you feel guilty and bad and like you're failing. And I, I just want to say that I get that feeling. Like I, I have dealt with that feeling. It still comes up sometimes where, where I see all these things and I'm like, oh, I do those things. I think it's important that we don't beat up, beat ourselves up over it because, you know, if you didn't know safety behaviors existed and you may not even have known social anxiety existed, you and your brain and your body were doing the only thing they knew how to make, to make you feel better in a situation, to help you get through the situation. You know, you, you didn't have any other tools or knowledge, so you were just doing the best you could to get through. So please don't beat yourself up if you see yourself in that kind of list. And then, you know, once you do have more awareness and knowledge, it doesn't mean that like, okay, now I know safety behaviors exist. I'm going to not do any of them ever. Um, I think that's much too high a standard to hold ourselves to. And that's sort of what I'm going to talk about for the next part of uh, part of this episode. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about the Social Anxiety Besties Club on Patreon, which also includes the Socially Awkward Book Club. If the topics discussed on this podcast speak to you, I think you might really enjoy the club because it's a welcoming, safe community of friends who understand what it's like to just want to be able to do all the things that other people seem to do without even needing to think about it, like saying hi to a neighbor or making a phone call to the doctor. If you'd like to find out more, please check out patreon.com slash your social anxiety bestie. The link is also in the show notes. I would love to see you there. All right, back to the show. 
the question was, have I eliminated all my safety behaviors? The short answer is no, <laughs> definitely not. It's still, I'm still a work in progress. I think I will always have safety behaviors because I think all humans have anxiety from time to time. Anxiety is a normal human emotion. We're all going to have safety behaviors sometimes. Like some days I'm more able to cope and manage my social anxiety in a non-avoidant way than others. Some days I'm depleted. Some situations are just too much. Um, and one of the things I, I've talked about with in my previous episode with Dr. Franks is that, you know, there's a difference between a safety behavior and accommodating your social anxiety or even your preferences in certain situations. I think we just need to not be all or nothing about it. You know, sometimes it's okay to accommodate your social anxiety. Like we were talking about the situation of a big wedding and like going to the, the person who had asked a question and was planning their wedding. And, you know, if, if having the wedding that here, that, that she wants, that her partner wants would require some accommodation of social anxiety in some way, is that the end of the world? I don't think so. So anyway, let's, let's get more specific. So under my safety behaviors, one of, I had written down arriving really early for things, thanking people profusely, over-explaining, and being apologetic. So I'm happy to say that I've made progress on this. I'm much less apologetic for my own existence. I used to go through the world as if I were apologizing to it and everyone in it for the fact that I was alive and consuming air uh, or space or whatever. Um, so I do that a lot less. I've been trying to train myself instead of saying like, sorry for, I don't know, sorry for taking time to reply. I would say, thank you for your patience. And it's like, not supernatural all the time, but you know, baby steps. Thanking profusely. I don't, I guess I don't have a specific way to measure that, but I feel like I do it less. Over explaining. The podcast has been a really good place for me to practice that. And like, sometimes I know that I'm over explaining, but I'm like, you know what? I am going to let myself over explain because even non-anxious people do that sometimes. So the goal is not to become a robot or perfect. Um, arriving early. I still try to do this. I get time anxiety, um, but I have a family <laughs> that doesn't have time anxiety. So I prefer to get places early, but it doesn't always work out. And I've had to just try to make my peace with it. In terms of ones that I definitely still do, I definitely have times where I will obsess over my appearance before socializing. Just this Saturday, uh, we were going out for a nature walk with another couple. Um, and I got hit with like the worst... I don't know, attack of body image issues that I've had in a while. And I, I went through like four or five different outfits. I could, didn't feel good in anything. Nothing felt quite right. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be too hot. I'm going to be too cold. My tummy's going to be too visible. Oh no, this is too short. You're going to see the back of my thighs. And I don't like the back of my thighs. And like, what if they stand behind me while we're walking? Then they'll see that mole I don't like. <laughs> I didn't shave my legs properly. I can't wear that. I can't wear this. If I wear this, they're going to think I'm too fancy. If I wear this, they're going to think I'm too frumpy. Like, I said to Jesse, my husband, I was like, I don't know what's happening. I'm just having a bad body image moment right now. Um, I still went and I'm glad that I did and all that stuff, but it was, it was weird. It was something that I hadn't experienced in a while. 
The using alcohol one I find really interesting. And it's something that we talked about in our last Zoom chat for the Patreon group, the Social Anxiety Besties Club. Um, I think I was saying like, I understand how, I understand why there's such a connection between social anxiety and alcohol use. Because if I have a glass of wine, I suddenly feel quote unquote normal. You know, those inhibitions are lowered just enough that I'm like totally still me but it put the social anxiety to sleep a little bit. And man, I can see how that would be a slippery slope that could lead to alcohol use, overuse, or dependence and all that stuff. Um, It's something that's always in the back of my mind for a variety of reasons. But does that mean that I would never have a drink to take the edge off? Uh, I would be lying if I said, like I never did that. Um, At my best friend's wedding, I was the maid of honor and I was giving a speech and I was singing my speech and it, she didn't know it. It was going to be a surprise. And I was, I had, was trying to coordinate it with the DJ. And uh, yeah, anyway, I for sure had a glass or two of wine leading up to my speech because otherwise I would have, I don't even know. You know, I feel like otherwise, when you start to say like otherwise, maybe that's the sign that it's a safety behavior. So yeah, for sure. That was a safety behavior. I used, I used wine to get through the event. Um, but it's not like I do it every single day. So I'm going to call that okay. Maybe that was accommodating my social anxiety. I don't really know. Um, long story short, I definitely have not eliminated all my safety behaviors surrounding social anxiety, but I have managed to significantly reduce them and reduce how limited I feel or how dependent I feel on those safety behaviors. And I know that I'm going in the right direction. I know that progress has been made and I feel good about that. And I'm at a place where I can sort of recognize a safety behavior. Sometimes it, sometimes I don't recognize it, but if I do, you know, it's not like, oh, you piece of garbage. How could you do that thing where you obsess over your appearance? I thought you were better than this. Like I've gotten past talking to myself that way, which is a really big deal because I used to talk to myself that way all the time. Um, And it's taken years, a couple of years at least to retrain my brain to not talk to me that way, but it is possible. Um, Yeah. And you can totally get there too. And if you, you know, if you're listening to this and realizing you have a lot of safety behaviors, that's okay. You know, how could you have known any different? You were just doing You're just doing what you needed to do to get through in the only way you knew how. And do you have to be trapped by needing safety behaviors forever? No, but please don't beat yourself up for having them or for having had them because it's not going to help. It's just going to make it hurt. And you're certainly not alone because like I, I have been there. I am there sometimes. Um, We're only human. Okay. I think that wraps it up. I hope that if the person who submitted that question listens to this episode, I hope you found it helpful, um, um, encouraging and yeah, a book recommendation before I wrap up, we just finished reading the book, rewire your anxious brain in my Patreon group. Cause we have like a book club component every two months we discuss a book and we, we read rewire your anxious brain. I don't have it in front of me, but I think the subtitle was like using the neuroscience of fear to, something, something anxiety. I'll put, I'll put it in the show notes. It was really good. I had a hard time getting into it at first because it's pretty, I don't know if technical is the word, but 
it talks about brain science. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to understand that. <laughs> um, great self-talk there. So clearly I have some work to do. Um, but then I listened to it on audiobook and I actually found it really, really interesting. It talks about how there's a difference between cortex-based anxiety and amygdala-based anxiety. Like there's different pathways for anxiety and how to deal with... Anyway, it's really, really good. And I feel like maybe I should do an episode just on that book. But for now, I wanted to just do safety behaviors. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. And yeah, I'll talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. I'm testing out a new thing, which is a Google form I created where you can submit any questions, feedback, or topic ideas to the podcast anonymously, as long as I did it properly. If I didn't, I will figure it out and fix it. I love hearing what you think and what areas you need support or encouragement on, so please feel free to check out the link in the show notes. Until next time, remember that there are people who understand what you're going through and who also just want to feel okay in the world and in their own skin. And remember that it's okay to show up scared and show up imperfect because that means you're showing up and you deserve to show up in your life. I'll see you next time. Bye.